0: Welcome to Coastline Church. Seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Hi, everyone. It's so good to be with you. Um, Really, truly, it's just so good to be with you. Mm -hmm. I mean that. Barb and I are just... It's nice to be, can I, can I dare say it? It's nice to be in a smaller group. I mean, really, it, it is, it's just so nice to be back and God has great thanks for, for Coastline and he's not done. Amen? Amen? Amen. And so, yeah, we're just happy to be here and Fran asked me if I would do this and I just said, absolutely yes. I didn't really have to even think about it very long. So I want to start by saying that as a, as a setup to what we're going to be talking about today, that if it were not for the 16th chapter of Acts, and I know Linda spoke on this 16th chapter of Acts last week, but if it were not for the 16th chapter of Acts and Paul's obedience, we wouldn't be here today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flesh that out to, to bring some sense to that as we talk about this this morning. But this is such a pivotal part of the book of Acts that if we understand it and we understand how God moves and he calls us to be obedient to his voice, we don't know what a little choice we make today can do for tomorrow. We really don't. We don't know the impact of simply listening to his holy spirit and saying yes to what his holy spirit speaks and the ripple effect of that is just beyond measure and you'll see what i mean as we go along but so lord jesus i pray that you would help us to get everything that you have for us from your word today father i pray that your holy spirit would move in our hearts and lord you would bring to us just exactly for each one what we each need what the takeaway is what what needs to sink deeply in our heart lord what word needs to become life to us and truly help us move into the next place that you have for us help us lord to take the next step whatever it is lord that you need to speak to each heart here today i pray you do that And Lord, we trust you for that, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. Amen. So there are a lot of mileposts or markers in early church. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the book of Acts is it says that they were in the way, right? Capital W-A-Y. And you may have talked about that as you've been going through this, but this is a really critical part in the book of Acts because we see that the Holy Spirit redirects and literally stops him from going one direction and turns him to go another direction. And what i titled this is The Way West because had had Paul not listened to the Macedonian vision that, that the Holy Spirit sent, had Paul not listened to that, he was headed east into Asia, but because he turned west, at the prompting of the holy spirit i mean we have a we have the philippians we have the ephesians we had i mean the the churches that followed from that and the the gospel then going into basically europe is because paul said yes and because the gospel went into europe we're here i mean quite literally if that hadn't happened we'd all be like greek orthodox right? And we're not. That's what that, so not that there's anything about Greek Orthodox that I don't admire, but I'm just saying, you know, if if Paul hadn't said yes, the way he said yes, that the churches we know it would not have unfolded as it did. And so this is just a really critical part. So in these, I'm actually going to, Try to get through. Now, a friend told me I have like two and a half hours. Is that right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> Three hours? Francis. What? Not this, Francis.
0: Uh-uh. <laughs> Man, how long do we have?
1: <laughs> Just go for 30. it.
0: 30 minutes? Good, I can do that.
1: <laughs>
0: Three hours into 30 minutes. got to talk for the best, listen for the best, and then we'll get it done. <laughs> But there are some people that are introduced, and in, in, I'm going to be talking about 16, 17, and 18. So we are going to have to move fast. So we'll do a lot of reading. And if you have your Bible, it would be a great time to take it out. But I'm going to read, and it's not going to go up here. I didn't send Fran and stuff to, to put up. But we, we meet Timothy. We meet Lydia. We meet Priscilla and Aquila. We meet Apollos. Apollos one of my favorites, and we'll talk more about Apollos. Um, You know, some places that we see, uh, Philippi, Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus. So all really important. And so we're going to start off right in Acts chapter 16 again. And I know Linda talked about this last week, but I'm believing that the Holy Spirit can show us something new. Yes. All right. So here we go. So Acts 16, starting at verse 1. Here we go. You ready? Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. I mean, I just go ouch when I read that, if you know what I mean. He wasn't like an eight-day old, he was like a grown old man. As they traveled from town to, some of you might understand that, as they traveled from town to town, They delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. Remember from chapter 15, the Jerusalem Council, not many things, four things, not very complicated, right? We get really complicated in what it means to follow Jesus, but they came up with four things. So that was the message that they were delivering. The apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, there's a little thing here, and some of you may know this, the teacher in me can't resist. So if you've heard this before, just bear with me. This is one of the, what we call the we passages. You notice it's saying we? Have You've probably talked about that already. Okay, so the we passage means that now we're getting Luke, including himself. So this was written by Luke, we know, because um, Luke wrote his gospel and the book of Acts to somebody named Theophilus. And so when we come upon the word we here, that's Luke referring to himself. So we're, get, we're really getting the first person viewpoint of what's going on here. So it, it, he says basically um, we, right? Or us. He had called us and we. So I, here we're already to the first thing that I want to share as a point and, and it's not complicated, and if you want to write it down, you can, or just, you know, try to remember it. Here it is. Jesus can only lead us if we choose to follow him. Amen. <laughs> okay, so I have to give you an example that I used to use in my class. I taught elementary school for 30 years, and now I'm back substitute teaching again. Oh, please pray for me. Um, so, I used, to, I used to do this with my... Um, I mostly taught fourth, well fourth and fifth grade. So about the first day of class, I would I would lay out a, a jump rope, like a long a long jump rope, along like one of the like from the front of the classroom to the back of the classroom. And because I'm relatively OCD, I knew that that was 33 feet because I counted the tiles, um, and they were one foot tiles. And so that meant a lot to me. But um, so. So within that 33 feet, I would lay out like a, a long double dutch rope. Mm. And um, so then I would ask the students to volunteer out. And I would usually do this after first recess because also part of my brain back then when I was teaching at an earlier time was I could remember all the students' names by first recess. And first recess on first day and I didn't put name tags on their desks. So I would dismiss them by name on the first First recess of the first day. That was just a personal thing that I did. So um, again, that's just the OCDness in me. But I, I have to share that about me because it's important <laughs> that I share it. Because if it's there, I have to say it, right? Um, so I would lay out. I would lay out the jump rope on the floor, and then I would get volunteers. And so I would do that. The reason it was important is because after first recess, I could call them by name. So I would call. Yeah. Uh, anybody like to volunteer? for this next thing, and you know, Jenny would raise her hand or Tim or whoever. And, and I would say, okay, and uh, they'd be all excited. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up to the front of the room and I want you to push the rope, push the rope, leave it in a straight line, but push the rope from where it is. Get See that end right there? Well, the sink's right back there. I want you to push the rope and keep it straight and get it to the sink. And they go, oh yeah, I can do it. I can do it. And so they they'd come up and they 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 push on the rope, and you all know what the rope would do, right? It would sna- it would wiggle. It would you know there would be a snake on the floor. And so then the next one would go, uh, you know, oh, oh you know Tim couldn't do it or Jenny couldn't do it. And so anybody else want to volunteer? So they go, oh I can do it. I can do it. And you know you could do that about three times, and they would still think that it was possible. And then finally I, I would I would have one of them go to the top of the rope and say okay Billy can you take the rope to the sink and he would take the rope and and keep it straight and he would take it and it would stay straight what do you know it's a goofy illustration yep. but it's what I called you can't push a rope Yes. So, so I would use that. I would use that illustration throughout the year. Like when the kids didn't want to be taught, they didn't want to learn, they were going crazy, uh, or you know, just whatever was going on. I would say, "Kids can't push a rope," and and they knew exactly what I meant. But you can bring a rope, you can lead a rope, but you can't push a rope, right? So. I know it's a bit obtuse, but but there but there is there is an illustration there that if we're like the rope, we we can follow, right? We can be led, but you can't push something that's not capable or willing to be pushed. Yeah. Yeah. So, we we can only be led by Jesus if we choose to follow Him. Other, otherwise, we're kind of like the rope that can't be pushed, right? Maybe that'll stick with
1: you.
0: So I'm going to take this out again. So then we get to another really cool part of the story of of Acts. And so I'm going to read again. It's a pretty long part. I'm basically going to read it. We'll read it together if you have your Bible. I'm reading from the NIV, picking up at verse 11. From Troas we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. You know, what I see in this place right here is, do we leave space for people to have a continuing revelation of who Jesus is? As I, as I read the book of Acts, that's one of the things that I see over and over again. Do we leave space for people to have a continuing revelation of who Jesus is in their lives? I think sometimes we don't. I think sometimes we are too quick to judge the place that they're at and not allow them to grow into what Jesus has for them next god's at work in each one of us is his holy spirit that is going to have effect in our lives it's not my voice or your voice so god may use us of course to direct people and to help them but are we willing to let people develop and grow at the pace that god has for them but i also want you to notice something else lydia had respect for those whom she already considered elders in the faith. What did she say? She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, what a beautiful picture of how leadership has to allow those whom they lead the space to grow. But those that are led also need to understand that God has placed Leadership in their lives to help them grow I know we often wish that we could be just like the book of Acts and you can't really use the book of Acts to be like the model of the church today but there's so much in the book of Acts as we read it that we can just go huh what if we lived a little closer to that amen, amen. once when we were going to the place of prayer we met we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved, which I have always read that and thought, that's that's not bad. (laughs) She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around. And I love that it says he got annoyed, turned around, and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. Mm -hmm. At that moment, the spirit left her. There's something else here that's so powerful. Paul could have spoken that at the very beginning. Why not? Why didn't he? I don't have the answer for that. I don't have the answer for that. But he was patient enough to stay focused on what God had called him to do and this is where we find a, a, a gift that you may not have recognized before, the gift of holy annoyance.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, some of us are just annoyed, right? We need to be wholly annoyed. Not with a W, just H-O-L-Y, Holy annoyed. If we're wholly annoyed, if we're hearing from the spirit, see, this is the difference. Paul put up with this until the spirit said, get that thing out of here. And Paul spoke and it left. immediately. And then it ticked off her owners. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, I know that you and I would do the same thing, right? (laughs) flogged, <laughs> you know, strip beaten, locked up, and singing hymns. I mean, I get convicted when I read that. I don't even sing really well, but that doesn't matter. They were still singing. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped, which is what he was going to get anyway, right? If they had escaped, so why not do it yourself? But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, I I love this. this I kind of think this is a play on words. What must I do to be saved? Which salvation was he thinking of? I'm not real sure, right? <laughs> i'm gonna get this i don't know what's going on here this is so terrifying what do i need to do to get rid of the terror that i'm experiencing i think this is one of those places where i'm not sure if it was his felt need that he was trying to get fixed or if it was his actual need that he was trying to get fixed but what did paul do he answered his actual need right he said what must i do to be saved they replied believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved i get emotional about this you and your household then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and, and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the, night, of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Man, you know, we we get it so complicated, don't we? Well, wait, we need to we need to learn what it means to be a member of a church before we can baptize somebody. It's like, really? No, let's baptize them. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God he and his whole household when it was daylight the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order release those men the jailer told Paul the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released now you can leave go in peace <clears throat> now there's something really important that happens here but Paul said to the officers they beat us publicly without a trial even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison and now Do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. What's happening here? This is a perfect example of when you use political power correctly. (laughs) No, it's a good one. Because what's Paul doing? Paul is making a public display of this to protect the other followers of Jesus. That's what he's doing. He's using his political clout... In this moment, in the correct way to create an environment where the followers of Jesus that would that are now going to be coming because of the jailer and all, he has made a public display of it so that they would have protection from the same kind of treatment. Go, Paul. Go,
1: Paul.
0: <laughs> yeah. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, Oh my goodness, were they ever scared, right? (laughs) They were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. Isn't it so rich? Every time I read Acts, I am just so amazed at how rich it is. Barb read my
1: froggy throat.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you
1: very
0: much. See if I cannot knock it over. So now we move on to chapter 17. And this is um, in Thessalonica and Berea in Athens. And really, probably this is Paul's greatest... The the, the sermon in... There aren't any recorded sermons, really, that Paul has. But the one in Athens is... Um if you can think of another friend help me out, but this one's definitely written down what Paul, you know, yet it's not as most effective. So interesting. I just find that interesting. I don't know why. you know, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting idea because what do uh, maybe this is the maybe this is what we have to get from this. What do we do at the end of a message? Oh pastor, that was such a good message. Like, it's like, okay. And I'm not expecting that from anybody. Trust me. But but what's more important is what's the Holy Spirit doing from what you heard? What's more important is what's your takeaway and how are you going to obey what you heard? Right? Yes. Right? This is a well-crafted message that we're about to we're about to get to. It's amazing. Here we go. Mm-hmm. When they took him, when they took him and brought him uh, to a meeting of the Areopagus. And I picked, by the way, I picked up a verse 19 of chapter 17, where they, then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting now they just got together and talked every day. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. It was pretty much the social media of the day. Yeah. They came, they talked, they left. Came, they talked, they left. All the newest ideas. Paul then stood up at the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship." And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else from one man. He made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As one of your own poets has said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. So here's the point. Not many responded. We don't hear the history of the church in Athens. Right? Not many responded. He had many who liked what he had to say. And they wanted to hear more. But it doesn't seem that Paul went back. Amazingly written, amazingly crafted. He used this stuff. He used a culture around Here's maybe something we need to hear. I, this is just kind of coming through the screen right now. He used the culture around him to try to talk to the people about how to follow Jesus. They were so enculturated by the culture around them that all they wanted to do was hear more. But it didn't really impact them. Makes me wonder how much have we become subjects of the culture around us? How much have we let the culture around us drive the way we deliver the message? And how effective is the message because we've given in to the culture? I don't know. It's just food for thought. But it does bring us to the second thing that I have down here as a point. We can listen to great words and stay the same responding to the holy spirit changes everything
1: mm-hmm.
0: we can listen to really great words and stay the same but responding to the holy spirit is what really changes our lives yes. chapter 18 we are moving aren't we okay. chapter 18 so I'm, I'm cutting and pasting as we go just taking the parts that i have <laughs> so now we find the founding of the corinthian church and we meet a, some of my favorite people aquila priscilla or should i say priscilla and aquila and apollos and um, paul gets another visitation here from jesus starting at the first verse of chapter 18 after this paul left athens and went to corinth there he met a jew named aquila a native of pontus who had recently come from italy with his wife priscilla priscilla because claudius had ordered all jews to leave rome now here's the thing um even if you were a Christian in this time, if you had Jewish roots, you were still considered a Jew. Mm-hmm. So because the the early church was Jewish Christians, Christianity was just viewed as like a sect of Judaism, pretty much. And it makes sense if you think about if you think about it historically. So they were kicked out of Rome. Even though they weren't really practicing Jews, what they were were Christians. But they were still connected to the Jewish culture. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews <laughs> and Greeks. Now, the Greeks that were there, were they would have been what we call God-fearing. God-fearing or God-fearers. So they were Greeks that were following the Jewish tradition. That's why they were meeting in synagogue. And here's another part of this that i love we have turned being a pastor into a vocation paul was a tent maker i mean we know that okay and he had friends that were tent makers paul moved within a group often in his life that were people of his trade there's a lot of power being a follower of jesus being a person of your trade. Very powerful. Instead of saying, well, I must be second class because I'm not, you know, I'm not this or I'm not that. Oh, you hear people say this all the time. Well, I'm just a plumber or I'm just a teacher or I'm just a this or I'm just a that. No, God wants to use us wherever we are in the place that we are because who's going to listen to the we're not going to have people showing up to listen to the preacher they need people that are like them that are with them that are near them that understand the struggles that they go through as just everyday people that are living life trying to make ends meet trying to do everything and then trying to figure out well how do I follow God in all of this Paul understood that He knew what it meant to be a regular guy having a regular job earning his way and because of that i believe that it just made him so much more powerful in knowing how to speak to people he was a real guy we think of paul differently than i think we should paul was a real guy following jesus day to day doing what jesus called him to do did jesus call him to do pretty exceptional things yes he did but Paul had to make his own way, and then continue to follow Jesus as he made his way. There's 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 so much that I think that, and I'll just say it straight up. There's so such a disservice that I think the church has done over the years to turn church leadership into a profession. God bless them. If you know, I I don't want to say it's. It's all awful. It's not. But but we see here Paul being a tent maker. And I just think it's so important. And so he did. What he knew how to do? He worked. And then he went to the synagogue every Sabbath. Okay, So I'm going to uh, move on. Continuing in verse 5. When Silas and Timothy. Now I think I didn't read this part. I think I skipped over it. But, but when Paul left he, he had he left and he left silas and timothy behind and and they he said you know come and meet me and so here they are arriving now when silas and timothy came from macedonia now this is interesting paul devoted himself exclusively testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Now, I'm not sure if what happened there, they came and relieve some of the pressure of the income that he needed to survive, but something changed and he was able now to devote himself exclusively to preaching, which, uh, yeah, I don't have the answer for that. But it's interesting that the word there is used exclusively and it depended upon their arrival. When they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Now, it seems like that's like a final Paul's going to the Gentiles now. But actually, that's not because as we keep reading, we see that he ends up going into synagogues again and again. So I don't know if if in that moment he said, okay, that's it. I'm done. And then he said, well, yeah, but these, it goes to a new community, but these are my peeps. I really do need to go talk to them. So, you know, he continued to go into the synagogue, even though he had said, okay, I'm done with you all. So maybe he was just speaking to this group, but it clearly was it. it now there is a change. There is a change. He, he, he does now go to the Gentiles. And so that's, that's what happens next. Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius uh, Justice, A worshiper of God, Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord. And many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Okay, another vision. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many in this city. So Paul stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. And so now we're gonna skip up to verse twenty-four. If you is does anybody have a Bible anymore? Do we read paper Bible? Look at you all. Okay. So we're skipping up to verse twenty-four of um, chapter eighteen. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned, I, I think you're supposed to say learned. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed now, what Apollos was, it says he was out he came from Alexandria. The reason that's important is because he was a Greek speaking Jew. He was from Alexandria, and the language of Alexandria was Greek. So Greek was not Paul's native language, but Greek was Apollo's native language. And that there's something very powerful in that. And also he had thorough knowledge of the scriptures. So he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. So what he knew was the baptism of repentance. That's what it means. So he 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 repented. He was a God follower. That was that was what he knew. He knew the message of John the Baptist, basically. He <clears throat> he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. Now, what we see here in Apollos, is Apollos is not only a great teacher, he's a great student. He is teachable. Teachability is something that's so important And it's getting so lost in our culture today, even within the church. Teachability. You don't know it all. I don't know it all. Nobody knows it all. But we can be taught if we're willing to be taught. And so Apollos, we see in him a man who is very, very good at teaching, really knows the scripture and knows it in the language of the larger culture of the day. He's an excellent teacher, but he's willing to be taught. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Remember Paul said, I planted Apollos' water? Okay. Apollos was the one who helped the new believers get really deep roots as followers of Jesus. That was Apollos. That was his deal. So I'm actually coming to the end here. Um, But a few points here as we close. So when I see Paul as a tent maker, along with Aquila and Priscilla and Apollos, he's an educated man who uses knowledge and experience to teach about Jesus. This is what I'm really reminded of, that Jesus uses regular people to get out his message. Regular people. Priscilla and Aquila... They come alongside Apollos and explain the way of God more adequately. And I've already said this, but we see Apollos being teachable. We see them functioning as the body of Christ where each member does its part to build up the body. Strengthen one another, bringing the, everyone towards maturity. Right? And, okay, this is a personal thing. This is a sidebar. You can't. You can't say Greg said... But if you feel really bold someday, you can say Greg said. And the Holy Spirit confirmed it. This is what I believe about Apollos. I believe that he's the author of the book of of the letter to the Hebrews. Now, there is speculation about that. When the Bible was canonized, when it was being gathered... They attributed, the reason Hebrews falls at the end of Paul's letters is because there's no given author to Hebrews, but they, they attributed Hebrews to Paul so that it would be acceptable. <laughs> but the Greek structure in, Hebrew, in Hebrews is nothing like Paul's structure from his letters because Paul was not a native Greek speaker. But the language and the arguments and the declaring who Jesus is more full. Remember what it said about Apollos? He argued with the leaders of the synagogue. He taught them the he really was able to refute them and show them who Jesus truly is. So I'm looking forward to meeting Apollos. I really am. Like he's the guy that I want to meet, like after my relatives that you know are with Jesus. And my friends, probably before my friends, I want to meet Apollos. Because I, I, a little bit of, I want to say I had it right, didn't I, Apollos? You were the guy, right? You were the guy. But I, I really do believe that Apollos is the one who wrote Hebrews. And he, he became a, a very gifted and widely accepted elder uh, within the early church. Apollos. Great guy. Now, there's nothing that can prove that he wrote it. It's been disputed and talked about for, you know, centuries. But I think the evidence is there. I just love that. I just think that's one of the fun things that you, it doesn't matter if I'm wrong. It doesn't matter if I'm right. I just think it's fun that it could be him, that he could be the one. And it, it makes so much sense to me that Apollos could have been. Hebrews, Hebrews and Romans, two favorite. Two favorite books of the New Testament for me because they're just so rich in in what they have you know, to teach us. So anyway, you can take that for whatever it's worth. So last point. Kind of a summary of, of what we've been talking about. Jesus uses regular people who will listen, learn, and obey. Not very complicated, is it? Jesus uses regular people who will listen, learn, and obey. One of the things that I like to say often is just say yes to Jesus the next time. Just say yes. Stay teachable. Stay listening. Holy Spirit can speak to you just as much as he speaks to me or anyone else. And be humble enough to say, you know, I I believe this is the Holy Spirit speaking this to me. Go to people that you trust that have some experience and say, you know, let's talk about this. I, I think the Holy Spirit's leading me this way. And you'll stay just right on the path that Jesus has for you. Following the Holy Spirit is not weird. Mm-hmm. As Christians, following the Holy Spirit is normal. Oh, necessary. <laughs> I like that word. Necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. So here's our, here's the, the things that we talked about. Jesus can only lead if we choose to follow him. Yeah. We can listen to great words and stay the same. Responding to the Holy Spirit changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus uses regular people who will listen learn and obey we're here today because Paul did that he listened and he obeyed at all costs we don't go through what he went through but I'm so glad he did amen Amen. and those those that were with him yeah Lord I thank you for your word to us Father I pray that as we experience your word and as we listen. Lord, help us to be those who, who really do learn and obey. Thank you. Amen. I have some, before we before we move to communion, hold on just a minute. I have some things that I want you to think about that, that go along with this and then we're gonna receive communion and I'm so excited about that too. Que- food for thought, question. Can you think of a time when the Holy Spirit suddenly changed your plans or redirected you? Yes. Yeah? Yeah? Somebody can say yes to that immediately. How did the Holy Spirit use that to produce something greater? Just something to think about. Can you think of a time when the Holy Spirit redirected you or changed your plans? And how did he use that for something more? In Acts 16, uh, Timothy is introduced and becomes a key companion of Paul. Paul uses him, at, uh, or excuse me, Paul sees him as his spiritual son. Do you have someone who is a Paul or a Timothy to you? Or, you know, a Jessica or, <laughs> you know, all these male male names, right? But, but but the idea that is there somebody in your life that you are helping come along as a follower of Jesus? And is there somebody in your life that's helping you continue as a follower of Jesus? Or many someone's, right? Yeah. Just think about that, because we're all called to that, right? Yeah. Or if you don't, can you think of someone who could be? Is there someone who you look up to as a as a as a spiritual leader and you, you don't have that relationship but you're like I wonder if they would be willing to, to walk with me through some things. I wonder if there's somebody that I could text occasionally or I could, you know, just give a little call now and then and, and do a check-in. Or is there someone that you see that you're like, I think I could help them. In Acts 18, we learned that Priscilla and Aquila and Apollos, Priscilla and Aquila help Apollos understand the way of God more adequately, that's a quote. So my question is, how do we help others know God better? How do we in our own lives help others know God better? Just, just some things to think about. Okay. I just wanted to leave you with that. Now, I don't know what our routine is for communion, but I have something. I mean, I know, I know what a routine is for communion. Trust me. I don't know what it is here. So that. I have something from our worship time that I that I snapped and I wanted to bring it up As we, um, as we were singing this, I, I, I get emotional like in a moment. But as we were singing this, these words just spoke so deeply to just when the Holy Spirit just speaks, to you, you just go. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Pretty much says it all. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. You want to? Yeah, go do ahead. Do we, do we come forward? How do we do it? We come forward. Let's do it. You guys know what you're doing. I have no idea. So just come on it. Do your thing. Do it the way you do it. Yeah, we know what we're doing. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Carefully planned and orchestrated, right? <laughs> It's so refreshing to see communion trays. Can we all agree that those little cups with the tear-off oil will go away? They're awful. Lord, we are so thankful that we are, we are yours. Lord, things are not the same. And maybe Lord, if we look at the outside, we we would look at each other and say, I don't see it. Mm-hmm. But Lord, on the inside, you're doing such great things. Yes, Lord. Lord, you have redeemed us. And, and that means everything. Lord, we're not beggars, we're royalty. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you that we've been healed and delivered. Lord, that you've set us free, that we're running free in you. Lord, that we have complete forgiveness. Lord, our rags have been replaced by your robes of royalty. Lord, it's the great exchange that you We're willing to lay it all down. Your righteousness, Lord, to cover our unrighteousness. We just love you so much today. And Lord, I pray for everyone here or whatever place we're in on our journey. Lord, help us see you fresh and new as we receive from you today. Lord, we love this moment where we get to celebrate. We get to remember your body that was broken. We can't really comprehend that, Lord, but we love you for doing it. And we remember. And Lord, for your blood that was shed for us, that you willingly gave. Again, Lord, it's it's too big for us to understand, but we believe it, we trust it, we trust you, we believe in you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. So, Lord, as we take your body, this, this symbol that represents your body, Lord, we give thanks. And we honor you today, Lord. and. And we declare that without you, we are truly lost and hopeless. But with you, we have grace and hope. And we've been found in you. Lord, thank you not only that you called us, but but we responded. That your Holy Spirit brought us to the place of saying yes to you. Let us continue to be those who say yes to you. Let's see. Lord for this emblem of your blood. Thank you. Thank you. The blood that washes us clean, the forgiveness that's new every day. Lord, maybe even today we 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 failed badly. You still love us. You don't reject us we're found in you, Lord. It's your righteousness that tells us. Thank you. Thank you for your blood. Let's drink. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com